Good evening. It is good to be together to worship God on Sunday evenings. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here. If you would be taking your Bibles and open to the book of Proverbs, we'll study a, a little bit out of Proverbs and a little bit out of Psalm tonight as we think about the important topic of husbands being wise. What is it that we could do as husbands to be a contributor to our family of, of a blessing that we could offer uh, a family member that's a head of the home, that, that's a father that, that loves his children in a wise way, that, that loves and leads his wife in a wise way. What a difference it would make if every home across America was led with wisdom. And we'll give that a study tonight. If you were not here Wednesday evening during the devotional period, you missed a real treat. Uh, I tried to say a simple phrase, and I tried to say it about four or five times, and, and this is it. it, it just never came out. It, it was like a, a tongue tied. And, uh, and you know, there, there are times when what you do for a living that, that you just, well, maybe you don't, but I did, that, that like you just completely fail. And, and uh, we got home and, and Tracy and I were, were laughing about it, but that's why you have a good spouse. A good spouse will build you up. And so this is the way Tracy built me up. She said, hey, you know that you did tonight? I said, yeah. She said, you should have quit. <laughs> I laughed. She said, no, really. You should have just stopped right there and just said, we're about to sing an invitation song now. <laughs> I know, now you're hoping I will mess up real early tonight and take her advice, aren't you? On a serious note and, and a confounding note, I would like for us to pause uh, for a moment and I would like for us to pray about an issue that our state is dealing with right now. It will, the bill will probably either pass or fail this week. Uh, it's really amazing that as a culture, this is where we are, that we're talking about whether or not men can use girls' restrooms and vice versa. And um, I, I want to encourage you uh, to be prayerful for our, our nation, uh, for where we are and where we're headed. I want you to be prayerful for our legislature. Uh, we have several people that are faithful members of the Lord's church that are in our state legislature. And many of them are simply trying to do the right thing. And this past few weeks, they have gotten some strong condemnation from some of the most powerful corporations uh, in America. Uh, they, they have had some pretty scathing words from the White House. Um, it's a difficult situation uh, sometimes to just try to stand for what is right. And I would just throw in as an important side note that as we try to wade through the, the gender dysphoria, uh, we are to love everyone. And it, sincerely, it breaks my heart that there are people that, that truly wrestle with their identity. But as individuals and we as a culture go through this journey, what we need to remember is that it is impossible to change your gender. Um, back several years ago, they used to call the operation sex changes. 
but surgeons in the courtroom, when they testified, figured out they had to back away from that because it is impossible to change your gender. And that's why now the new term is gender assignment. And that's the best you can do. If you're born a male, you'll die a male. You can choose to be referred to as a female, but there is no operation that mutilates the flesh that turns a man into a woman. There is no amount of hormones that will turn a man into a woman. There, vice versa. It just, it doesn't exist. It's impossible to do. And I say that as perhaps you decide this week if you want to be praying about this. And I urge you to realize that we're talking about men using the restroom with little girls. They doesn't matter what they dress like and it doesn't matter what surgeries they've had. They're men using the bathroom with the little girls. It's hard to believe that we're here at this place in America and that powerful corporations and the highest in control are stating that that simple logic is bigotry and um, it's violating civil rights and etc. And uh, so I want us to begin uh, with prayer uh, for wisdom and humility and love uh, that, that we as America can some way figure out uh, a better path uh, to deal with some of the issues facing us. Let's bow. Our most gracious God, we humbly come before you uh, realizing we do not have all of the solutions to things that we face each day and realizing that sometime when we try to give solutions, if we're not careful, we sound like we're hateful. And God, we pray for your, your wisdom that we would see truth, that we would see it with understanding, that we would make proper discernment we pray, God, that your knowledge would be key in our hearts and our lives. And God, we pray that we would always love individuals. And as people hurt and as people are confused and as, as people face very uh, difficult lives, our prayer is that we would always love them and that we'd always be willing to walk beside them and, and to help them in the way that you our creator, our one creator would want for us to do. But God, we also pray for ourselves as a nation. God, we praise you as the one that established government. We praise you as the one who gave us government according to your scripture to bring peace. And we pray that some way peace could come out of all of this situation. And God, we pray for those in our legislation that truly are trying to do the right thing. And we pray that you grant them strength this week, that righteousness uh, will stand and that it will persevere. And God, we pray in whatever way you would have us as citizens uh, to be concerned or to be involved, that we would be willing to do so. God, again, we ask for your compassion, your wisdom, and we pray that your will be done in our lives. And we look forward to spending eternity with you where all will be well. And it's through your son's name we pray. Amen.
As we study a book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs, we study a book that we ought to fall in love with. We study a book that it'd be well for us to read it every day. My father for many decades now has read out of the book of Proverbs every day. As a matter of fact, I would probably say that he says something just in his day-to-day language every day from the book of Proverbs. He can't talk to you very long without saying a proverb. And so when I thought about a few weeks ago that, that at the end of this month, I wanted to do a few lessons about the family out of Proverbs, I just sent him an email and I said, hey, Pop, send me a few of your favorite passages about family out of the book of Proverbs. And the first one that he sent back to me was Proverbs, the third chapter in verse 33. Proverbs 3 and verse 33. He says, the curse of the Lord is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the just. Surely he scorns the scornful, but gives grace to the humble. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the legacy of fools. Notice here, very similar to what we spoke of this morning about Malachi. Most of the book of Malachi is Malachi saying, I give God's judgment to you. It is so important for us if we're going to have a wise understanding of life and of God, we must understand and love and cherish the fact that God keeps his promises. And if God promises that we walk with him, that he will reward us, He keeps his promises. He blesses the home of the just. But we need to also know that when God promises that judgment will come upon anyone who chooses not to walk with him, the wicked, that curses will come upon him. In other words, there is a very real and significant blessing that comes to the life of the wise. Those that walk with God, there is a very real and significant curse, sowing and reaping, negative harvest, bad outcome to those who will not walk in the way of wisdom, wickedness. Fathers, husbands, what do you want for your family? Do you want a home that God blesses or do you want one that is cursed? Where are you leading your family? Are you leading your family toward that way in which God would bless? Well, where's that begin? Well, if we're going to begin with the beginning of wisdom, we go to Proverbs, the first chapter in verse seven, and we see the beginning of wisdom. This be true for men, women, children. Proverbs one and seven, the fear of the Lord. And that goes back to what we just left. Are you going to fear God? If you fear him, you know that he keeps his warnings when he warns you and says, don't do this or else. And we know that he also keeps his promises when he says, do this and be rewarded. Do you fear God in that sense? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Somebody that truly fears God, they truly understand how he blesses, they understand how he curses, and you know what they say? People that truly fear him say, I want to know more then. 
I want to know more about a life of righteousness that he blesses. And I want to know more about a life of wickedness that he curses or that he punishes. I want to know more. In other words, that's the beginning of knowledge. Fathers and husbands, do you realize that there is no comparison? You talk about the difference in night and day, good and bad. That's the difference in a home that is led with wisdom and a home that is led in foolishness. Do you have a hunger for wisdom? You want to know that knowledge. You want to know God's will or do you despise wisdom? Do you despise instruction? When, when there's a way that teaches you a better way to lead, do you despise it or do you humbly accept it? Will you turn with me to Psalm 128 and verse one? As I read this this week, I couldn't help but think what a wonderful and beautiful passage that deals with the explaining of a man in his home and how if he chooses to be wise, he is highly blessed. And then he shows three characteristics of this man. Now, I am not suggesting to you that these three are comprehensive, but it is interesting to note that in one Psalm, these are the three characteristics. And, and on each of these slides, I'm intentionally leaving verse one at the top because I want you to notice that every verse ties back to verse one. Notice this Psalm 128 and verse one. Blessed is everyone and, and by the way, I know he says everyone right here, but the context of this chapter, as you'll see as we read on, he's actually talking to husbands and fathers. And so right here, we could talk about godly men. Blessed is every godly man who what? Fears the Lord. Well, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Here's a good explanation. Who walks in his ways. And so how do we know if we really are men that fear the Lord? Well, have you walked today in the way of God and will you go to work tomorrow and walk in the way of God and will you deal in business dealings in the way that God would deal with them? Do you deal with neighbors in the way God would deal with it? Do you deal with your family in the way God would deal? Do you walk in the way of God? Well, what are three areas that, that would be ways that we would walk with God? Here's one of them. Look at verse two. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. Now, wait a minute. God, you're going to tell me that, that that's a great piece of wisdom? Yeah. You show me a man that'll go out and work an honest day's work for an honest day's pay to provide in an honest way for his family. And we've seen a man who is wise. I want to tell you something that, that concerns me. It seems like in the last 15 years, we've come up with this thinking that if a man is in some kind of nonprofit ministry, he's chosen a better career than a man who decides to be a mechanic or a welder or a doctor or a nurse. And I grow uncomfortable when I hear men talk about their work and they say, I, I, just, I just want to do meaningful work. I want to do work that makes a difference in the lives of others. I think that's what God would want me to do. I want you to imagine tonight that every mechanic 
in Middle Tennessee did not do their work for the next month. You see how the kids' buses would not be repaired. You need an ambulance and you wouldn't get one. And you need a way to work because you just need just, just a water pump put on, but it wouldn't be put on. And you know what? It wouldn't take many of us Christians long to say, I assure you, in a month's time, every one of us Christians would be saying, well, I tell you what, I value mechanics. Yeah. Do the same thing with nurses. Do away, do away with every nurse for a month and see how long it takes you to say, wow, that's a very important occupation. Do away with garbage trucks. Just for a month. And it wouldn't take you long to say, you know what, we, we need those sanitary workers. What's the point? God designed it that way. God, what, what do you want out of a man? I want a man to find a way to work with his hands that contributes to society and I want him to go in, I want him to work that job and I want him to be able to take the provisions that come out of that job and I want him to be able to come home and take care of his family. And God says, you show me a man that fears the Lord and he walks in his way doing his work. How? The way God would want that work to be done. Go out and drive that garbage truck the way God would want that driven. Go out and repair that car in the way God would want it repaired. How are you going to interact with your co-workers? How are you going to do business with people? Are you going to complain about your job? Are you going to get up in the morning and hit the alarm clock and say, God, thank you for the strength to get out of bed and the job to go to today. Whenever a man can value the opportunity that God gives him to make a living, that man now is fit to raise children that can also be contributors to society in a wise way. But whenever dad can't value the opportunity to work, how can children that are raised under his shadow appreciate it? Notice the second thing in verse three that we'll bring up. The psalmist said, still talking about those who walk in the way of the Lord, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine now, notice this, it's beautiful. Notice this phrase. Where is that wife that's the fruitful vine? In the very heart of your house. And your children like olive plants all around your table. So the second thing that he says about the man who's walking with the way of the Lord and a man that's wise, he says, you value your wife. Well, who is this wife? It's a wife that is a blessing to him. So much so that she's like a fruitful vine. You know, the, the beauty about vines is that vines produce a fruit, but then the vine keeps growing and produces more fruit and the vine keeps growing. And so it's the idea when he says a, a fruitful vine, it's the idea of much, much fruit. But notice, who is she? In his, in his life, she is the very heart of your house. Now, you and I have heard that expression, and mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That's the idea of mom sets the standard of the attitude in the house. Mom creates the environment of the house. Here, he says, she's the very heart of the house. Now, notice where children are. Children also are a blessing. They're like, they're like olives. That's fruitful. That's good. But notice, 
they have their seat around the table. That's so fitting because oftentimes when we think of family, we think about everybody's seat around the table. Dwelling place, faith builders. Your generations are really good at making those seats around the table the very heart of the home. Notice that's not who the heart of the home is. The home is built upon the institution of marriage. The spouse remains the heart of the home. Now notice, this is a man who, verse 1, fears the Lord. And if he's walking, fearing the Lord as the Lord wants him to walk in his home, it is his wife that is the heart of his home. And you give just a little bit of time and you know what happens to those seats around the table? They become vacant, don't they? They leave. One by one, they leave home. And now here's the question I ask you, husbands. When all of your children are grown and they leave home, is the heart of your house still at the dinner table? And if not, you haven't been wise with how you're building your home. I believe that this is God's way of saying to husbands, if you fear me and if you walk with me, you're going to treasure and value the wife that I've given you that is so fruitful. In other words, do you recognize the value? Call it cheesy. But husbands, will you go home tonight and make a list of four or five things and say, hey, if, if I looked at things that you have blessed my life and our family, here are just a few of the fruitful ways you have blessed us. Wouldn't that be a good exercise? Wouldn't that be a good exercise to remain grateful, to remind ourselves of what God has given us? It's so easy for a man to get wrapped up in, in thinking that that's his job that's really, really important. And, and even maybe some investments that's really important or maybe a hobby that's really, really important. And sometimes we need simple reminders of what's really, really important. And tonight from Proverbs and Psalms, thinking about wisdom, I'm just reminding all of us husbands, what's really important is fearing God and keeping the heart of our home, our wives, and appreciating the children that are around the table that one day will leave that table. Notice what he says in verse four, behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Now he's not finished yet, but it's almost as if he just had to throw in that clarification Oh, don't, don't you realize I'm talking about the man here and, and what I'm wanting to do is behold. 
I'm holding this, this image up of a, of a wise man, a blessed man, and, and I'm wanting you to gaze at it. Behold, I want you to look at it. Behold, I want you to study it. You know, when you, you're looking at somebody says, what are you, what are you doing? I'm, I'm studying that over there. I'm gazing. He's holding up this, this verbal image of this man. And he says, behold, are you looking at this man? Do, do you realize how blessed this man is? This man fears God. This man goes out and makes an honest living. This man goes out and, and he keeps his, his wife as the very heart of his home. And, and he, he loves those children that are fruitful like, like olives around the table. But then he says one more huge description in verse five and six. The Lord bless you out of Zion. Remember, Zion is, is language for Jerusalem usually. And, and it's the idea that this is the holy city. This is, this is God's holy ground. Remember under the old covenant, that's what Jerusalem was. And notice what he says about it. And may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. What does he mean when he says, I want you to see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. I believe what he's referring to here is not just a city. Oh, I hope you can live so you can see this city all the day. No, Jerusalem was the holy city. It was the seat of their religion. Faithful Jewish men, three times a year, it was so important for them to make their way to Jerusalem. It was there that they offered sacrifice. I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm pouring out my sacrifice. It was there they participated in feasts that reminded them the importance of being sanctified with God. It was there that it was a spiritual experience. I'm going to Jerusalem to participate in my religion. And it's there that I dedicate myself. It's a time of renewal. I devote myself again. Psalmist? What are you saying about this man? I want to tell you a great blessing. This man that fears God, a great blessing is that he'll see the good in his religion all the days of his life. And see, because he does that, he's able to pass it down to his children. And they see the good all the days. And so notice that last part in six. And so therefore he gets one day to see his grandchildren living in view of the good of their religion. And what does that do? It creates a society. It creates a nation that, that experiences peace. Peace be upon Israel. Why? Because Israel is passing down this, through the fathers, they're passing down the faithfulness to God from one generation to another. How strong is the Mount Juliet Church of Christ going to be in 50 years from now? 50 years from now, how strong is the Mount Juliet Church of Christ going to be? Should I have you to raise your hands if you're probably not going to be alive in 50 years? It'd be a lot of us, right? How strong is the Mount Juliet Church of Christ going to be 50 years from now? Well, look to the ones that are being raised, the ones that are young adults. That gives you some kind of idea how well has the religion been passed to them? How well has that relationship to God 
been instilled in their life so that, that their relationship with God is alive and healthy and strong and growing and, and they can say and live out that I want God to be my God all the days of my life just as he describes this man. On this next slide, notice what we've just studied. We have just studied that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And the man who fears the Lord is the man who values his work. It's a man whose heart of his home is his wife and he values his wife and his children. And it's a man whose worship and religion of God is something that he sees as good all the days of his life. You know, when I was thinking about this, I just thought of a sad reality. You think about, there would be some men in our congregation that are kind of on the fringe. And we could bring up many of the good works that take place here. And you know what their honest reply would have to be? Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about that work. You bring up a, another one. I, I, I don't know. I, I guess we do that. I don't know anything about it. You bring up a mission point. I, I, don't, I don't know if I know anything about that mission point. Do you see, back up a slide if you will. Look at that again. And may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. It doesn't mean may you be around the good. Do you see it? Do you appreciate it? Do you see the good that is taking place right here? Do you see it all the days of your life? A man who values the good that God offers us in our relationship and in our opportunity to serve right here is a man who has gained great, great wisdom. So what do we do? I want to show you, and, and I'm just going to kind of set... Uh, a, a clock on myself here and, and I'm just going to show you some verses. You've got the meat of the lesson. Here is, if you're jotting things down, I'm going to give you a few verses and just make some comments and I'm going to take various proverbs that deal with a man that values his work, a man that values his wife, and a man that values God. Here we go. Proverbs 10 and 4. If you have a slack hand, you become poor. If your hand is diligent, you become rich. And I'd urge you to realize he's not just talking about money there. A man that doesn't value the opportunity to work becomes poor in a lot more ways than money. Let's skip over to Proverbs, the 24th chapter in verse 27. Proverbs 24 and 27. Prepare your outside work Make it fit for yourself in the field and afterwards build your home. The value of work here is placed even higher than building your house. Have you ever seen someone go out and build just this magnificent, beautiful house and yet their business has not yet been built up? That's what the proverb writer is saying. No, 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 no. You live in a little bitty condominium somewhere and you build your business, you get your income coming in. And once you get your income coming in, then you decide what your cost of living can be. 
But don't mix those two up. A man that mixes those two up is not inviting wisdom into his home. Now let's think about the value of a wife. Proverbs, the 18th chapter and verse 22. Proverbs 18 and 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from God. That's Genesis 2 language, isn't it? God saw a man alone. He said that wasn't good. So he made a wife and says, now that's, that's a good thing. And so now he says, a man that finds a good wife finds a good thing. Now let's skip over to Proverbs, the 30th chapter. Proverbs, the 30th chapter and verse 21 uh, this may be one you got to mark and go back and study on your own, but I'll give you just a, a little taste of it here. For three things, the earth is perturbed. Yes, for four, it cannot bear up. For a servant when he reigns, a fool when he is filled with food, a hateful woman when she is married, and a maidservant who succeeds her mistress. These are four things that the proverb writer says, people can't stand this. And you know what one of them was? When a woman that is capable of ruining a marriage gets married. So you say, well, wait a minute. Why are we studying this when we say a man ought to value his wife? As he is choosing his wife, he ought to value a wife so much so that he doesn't settle for just any woman but that he would choose a woman that would be a blessing to him and to his future family so that others wouldn't be perturbed and say, I feel so sorry for him. Look at her. Can you imagine being married to her? How many times have you ever said that in your life? Imagine being the guy trying to live with that. All right. Now, let's, let's close with just two more here. Look at, at Proverbs, the 31st chapter and verse 10. What is this woman worth? Now, I know a lot of time we read this thinking about the, the, uh, the woman, but I want you to read this thinking about the man. Look at the blessing the man has. And men, many of you here have this kind of woman. Do you value her? Look at Proverbs 31 and 10. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. Why? The heart of her husband safely trusts in her. So he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. Skip down and read verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Husband, do you value your wife? And then I'd like to close as we think about valuing God. I'd like for you to look at Proverbs 4. And I'd like for us to read just a few verses in Proverbs 4. And when I first start reading this, you may think, wait a minute, why is this valuing God? You you and I, it's just, it's, it's blowing smoke. We don't really mean we value God unless we listen to him and submit to him. That's what this verse gets at. Do you really value God? Notice how he says it here. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the side of my mother, he also taught me. Are you teachable? And he said to me, let your heart retain my words. How many men will go out this week and every day this week they'll read a proverb because they want to take it to their mind because they want to grow in wisdom. Let your heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her and she will keep you. What does a wise man do? He values God. One of the ways that he proves that he values God is he says, God, I know that your wisdom is so much greater than mine. Your understanding is so much greater than mine. Your knowledge is so much greater than mine. God, I want to pursue that. 
I want to pursue your wisdom. I want to listen to it. I want to gain it. I don't ever want to forget it. I hope that's the plea. I hope that's the prayer. I hope that's the intention of every man here. Do you see the value you have as a God-fearing man? If you have work and you have a fruitful wife that's the heart of your home and you know your God and you love him and you long after his commands so that you can follow him. Is there anything we can do to help any of us be wise? Have you become a Christian? If not, why not tonight? Why not right now? Wouldn't that be wise? Maybe you have begun that journey and something has separated you. Wouldn't it be wise to remove whatever is separating you from God? You need to repent. You need to confess sin. You need to pray forgiveness. Is there anything that we can do to help you? But man, I challenge you. Study Proverbs some this week. Study Proverbs, hunger, value God, and live it. If we can help you in any way, it comes we stand as we sing.